You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Sluts and Scholars. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. This episode is sponsored in part by OMG Yes. OMG Yes is for anybody who is curious to learn more about vulvas and pleasure. OMG Yes has asked thousands of vulva owners what feels best for them and found the patterns. Each technique is brought to life in beautiful videos of regular folks sharing from experience. No blushing, no shame, just body exploration. Get $5 off their newly released season two at omgs.com slash S and S. Enjoy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, where we talk smart and fuck smarter. I'm Nicoletta, and I'm a marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And I'm Simone, Nicoletta's sexually fascinated law student friend. We are joined this week by Susanna Brisk. She is a sexual intuitive, trademarked, coaching clients to uncover what they like, what they need, and how to get it. She has helped transform the lives of singles and couples, ranging in age from 19 to 72 of various genders, lifestyles, and orientations. She does it worldwide on Skype, as well as in person at her office in Woodland Hills. Susanna has led workshops on sexual intuition at the Pleasure Chest, Sacrum University, Kink.com, and the Sexual Health Expo. She's been profiled by bajillion media outlets, including LA Weekly and Vice. She's been featured on Sirius XM, Girl Boner, the American Sex Podcast, luckily for her now, Sluts and Scholars. She has her own podcast called The Sexual Intuitive, and she once did a prestigious Reddit AMA, the Ask Me Anythings, and it reached the top of the front page for an entire weekend. Her tell it like it is her tell it like it is missives on sex, love, dating, divorce, parenting, mental health and BDSM have been read by the better part of a million people and her latest book How to Get Laid Using Your Intuition went to number 1 on Amazon in the sexual health category. Welcome Susanna. Thank you so much for having me. What a wonderful combination. Of you, all the things that you are. No, (laughs) no. Yes, I am. The slut, the slut, and the scholar. Thank you. We're both both. Yes, that's right. As it should be, and a lot of the people that I help, for whatever reason, tend to be incredibly smart, incredibly educated, and just have this one area of their lives that they've either intellectualized out of existence, or they just they for some reason they can't get their head around it. So, but it's helpful when people have a lot of information. It's just not necessarily enough. Mm. What do you find is like the biggest information? I mean, I guess it's like a very big question, but... Well, in terms of like the physical aspects of the mechanics of sex, right? So you can find out, and you should find out, what does a clitoris look like? What is happening down in your anatomy, especially women, because we have innies instead of outies. You know, we should be checking ourselves out and knowing what's going on. At the same time, uh, think about this. You can give a blowjob a hundred different ways, let's say, right? And then you can give the same blowjob that mechanically looks the same, but is energetically completely different. And if you don't know what you're seeing, 
then you don't know if you're seeing, for example, a dominant blowjob or a submissive blowjob. Very different. Submissive blowjob says, I want to serve you, I want to worship you, I want to be your little, you know, baby, baby girl. girl, slut thing, Meow. slash toy, whatever it is that you're into, or just, you know, uh, loyal, right? Because it doesn't have to be somebody who's fully into the BDSM world. We're talking about just bringing these distinctions to people who may think of themselves as not even kinky, right? Or the other kind of blowjob, which is, you know, here is this very vulnerable part of your anatomy in my mouth where I have sharp teeth and the implications of how I'm going to be about that, right? <laughs> so if you walked in the room... The implication of fighting it off. <laughs> exactly, because you're not actually going to do it, because that wouldn't be I mean, safe, safe, and consensual, <laughs> that wouldn't. Well, Unless what that's if it there, is right. safe, and consensual? <laughs> yeah, I think that's another podcast, actually. We're not talking about vagina, vagina dentata here, come on. Well, I am so curious, how do you define sexual intuition? Well, I mean, I'm already like hearing it, but yeah. like, how do you define it? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. For the non-woo-woos out there. Yes, for the non-woo-woos, exactly. And, uh, you know, a lot of the people I work with are not woo-woo. So I have to figure out how to explain uh, illogical things in a logical way. So the way that I would describe it is whatever you know about intuition, which is, for example, that the U.S. military studied intuition and its miraculous power to help people avoid death and danger, right? Soldiers in battle who don't walk into a landmine because something tells them not to, and there's nothing else that could have told them that other than the sixth sense. So they've already investigated that. In the Soviet Union, even in the 70s, they were investigating intuition, but they also paired it with things like remote viewing and, and psychic ability and things that are even harder to prove. But they did prove that this thing exists and it's related to something called parapsychology, which is the psychology of the phenomena, right? So what they basically proved is if you believe something, that is more powerful than the efficacy or the truth of the thing that you actually believe. Mm. So when I think of sexual intuition as something that I know experientially and something that I've developed and helped other people develop, I really think more about how it is for you, how it feels for you, how you can link up the sensations. In, in, in the last book, I called it brain gut pussy, brain gut dick. In this one, it'll be brain, gut, genitals, and I say, and whatever else you're rocking down there, right? And then once those things are really connected and you're not fighting against yourself about what you need and what you like and what turns you on and what you think doesn't turn you on, but maybe there might be an energy of a little bit of attraction underneath the recoil, once you're cool with all that, you develop an almost psychic ability to be able to read other people what they're into and then dovetail that with what you're into. And even if that happens to be a partner that you're already with, you just become more able to be in the moment and be intuitive about whatever's next as opposed to focusing on, again, the physical or mechanical acts. I feel like doing this podcast has kind of <laughs> awakened my sexual intuition. 
Because that's what I aim to do. When I talk to people, when I work with people, it's the difference between, look, I've had decades of therapy, right? High five for therapy. Therapy's great. Love it. Yes. And love sometimes it. talking only goes so far. Exactly. Because it's from the head up. And especially if you're more of an intellectual kind of person or fancy yourself as one, uh, even if you're an autodidact like myself, <laughs> you can spend years and years talking around in circles and entertaining your therapist with all of your great stories. But until it goes deeper into the body and into the, the kind of nasty underbelly of what you might like that you haven't even admitted to yourself, let alone told anybody else, then you may not shift, right? I feel so seen. <laughs> I feel so seen. And I totally, I get frustrated sometimes in working with clients because I know that talking can only go so far. Right. And so there's more training that I want to do in, in, with EMDR and the somatics that I know can help clients. I'll often refer them out or like triage with somebody who does that kind of work or at least incorporate a little bit of it. Yes. But it can be frustrating to know that like we can only take this so far. But I have a question because I, I think something that I struggle with and that clients of mine have struggled with is how do you tell the difference between intuition and past trauma or anxiety protecting you against something that you don't need to protect yourself against? That's a very good question. And I get, I get that one a lot. How do you tell the difference between intuition and fear? Yeah. It's like that, like there, there's that book, I forgot who wrote it, but the gift of fear or something like I that. I wish I could just rattle off who wrote that, but I don't yeah, remember. I can't remember. But basically the difference like of, oh, I have this gut thing in my stomach that's saying that this is a bad thing to avoid. And like, maybe it is, but maybe you had a bad experience in the past Absolutely. and you're having and you're like just a triggered. trauma trigger. Right. Yeah. So how do you know when to trust that feeling and yeah. when to be like, no, this is an old story that isn't working for me? It's interesting because one of the best ways to figure out the difference between intuition and fear is to cast your mind back and your heart back and your body back to think about the times where you wanted to follow your intuition and you didn't. And it had disastrous results for you, right? So you put yourself back in that moment and you remember, what was that feeling like that I ignored? That's the feeling I want to listen to next time. So paradoxically, the best way to figure out what is the intuitive feeling is to make mistakes and, and make bold mistakes and then go, hey, you know what? I really did have a moment where something spoke to me in my body, not just in my mind, not just as a, uh, here's another thing that I don't trust. If, I, if something comes out of a story or a fear, like an old thing of like, you know, men are all this, or women are all this, or this always ends up this way, or something black and white that's like not serving us anymore, it's probably fear-driven or trauma-driven and not intuition-driven. Like if it's so a that's generalization. Another, right, exactly. If it's any kind of black and white thinking. So if it, even if it doesn't seem rational, if it has like gray areas to it where uh, you, you, it's just, it's a sensation in the body. It's a sensation that moves you physically towards something. And once you get good at listening to it, it just moves your body. Your body just does it. That's my experience. I actually was driving today and I was behind some crazy with a Range Rover. And then he had like five bikes on the back, five bicycles. And he's like, rushing to the beach and it's like okay i'm not uh, and i'm behind this this truck right this suv with five bikes and all shaking on the back and i just i don't even fuck with that feeling anymore if i have a, if I, something's off i just like pull up like i just pulled over i was like i don't have to drive behind this guy because i felt the adrenaline so that's intuition it's the ability to observe everything right so you're not acting outside of reality you're right. not 
uh, or, or wishful thinking what you wish reality was, right? So it's either no one wants to fuck me or everybody wants to fuck me. Like, neither of those are intuition. Well, one of them is true for me, though. <laughs> At a time. <laughs> no one wants to fuck. <laughs> nope. See, but that's, I mean, no, that's I'm not kidding. a bad mindset. Look, it's not a bad mindset if it helps you get laid and if it helps you feel confident. <laughs> it's not a bad mindset to walk in and go, God, I'm so sexy. Like someone would have to just be nuts not to want it, right? <laughs> that's fine. But at the same time, to recognize that the intuitive response is... It's, it's always a little bit more nuanced. I just had a question about the way you're talking about intuition to me sounds very similar to this, to like the concept of survival instinct, mm-hmm. distinct from fear, but just kind of um, our brain works faster than our thinking capabilities are. So we like yes. perceive like this is happening here. That's happening here. This is happening or here. Or we try and to so- make reasons for thoughts that we have or like reactions that we have. So no, sometimes no. we have a, an instinct reaction and then we try to make a, a reason of why we did that. We, and we, or we override it. We use our brains to override right. the instinct because it's what we're taught from the minute we're sitting in kindergarten and they go sit still. Right. And you go, oh, I get it. And they go, be quiet. You go, oh, get, I get it. I'm not supposed to be seen and heard. I'm not supposed to move around. Now think about, you know, underpaid teacher working with a giant classroom you know, it's not, we're not going to demonize, oh my God, they gave me trauma. But it's, it's the, the great thing about trauma and any kind of like, you know, hideous childhood type experiences is that it does make you more intuitive because you get so good at reading the room. Mm-hmm. You get so good at reading people's emotional temperature that you can take in a lot of details very quickly. So that was my earlier point, is that you're not grabbing these, these ideas out of nowhere. You're working with what you can actually observe. Right. So it's not even, it's not even like an, a woo-woo thing at all. No, no. It's very much just like making inferences based on your surroundings and being able to surmise things quickly without even realizing that you're doing so. That's exactly right, which is completely scientific, by the way, because there's Godel's theorem, who's in my... Uh, latest book. He's a mathematician. I'm not going to pretend that I've read the entire you know, uh, theorem, but it basically states that there's no room for true or false without intuitive guesses. You know, Einstein said the same thing. Uh, any great thinkers of, our, uh, of the last however many years, thousands of years, they, they talk about intuition and the value of it. If you read the old philosophers, it's all intuitive. Everything that Jung is all talking about intuition. How did you get to a place where you wanted to apply this to sexuality? Or do you feel like intuitively you knew to be intuitive? <laughs> yes, that's right. It was intuitive. Well, the, the funny thing is that I apply this to sexuality because that's what I'm interested in. Okay. So I'm like, okay, that's great. You saved your baby from the lake. And no, I'm a mother, so I jest. But <laughs> it's, it's, that's what interests me the most. And the thing that's frustrating, and I know you see this as a therapist, is when sexual issues are kind of relegated to the corner. Like, okay, here's the rest of your life. And, you know, Netflix and art walks and wine and chill or whatever it is people do. And then here's sexuality in the corner as a kind of an afterthought as opposed to something that's central that can be weaved in and out throughout your life to make your entire life more meaningful. So sexual intuition to me is a way of living where you're turned on by everything and everyone 
So do you think folks are born with this intuition and we just like learn it away from I would agree with that. Is. I would agree with that, but also, you know, some people are, you know, there are people with different processing issues and mm -hmm. um, people on the spectrum, uh, some that I've worked with that find it really di difficult, for example, to read facial expressions and it's a little bit more challenging. But I definitely, you know, it's, I, I, I don't know about we're all born on a level playing field because there's, you know, there's a lot, that's a very complicated issue, but, but I do believe it that anybody can develop it. And I definitely only came into it at around, look, here's the thing. I was always the person people talk to about sex. I'm sure you and you yeah. the same. That's why yes, we're high here, five. right? <laughs> like always, all, all around high five. All around high five. We just talk to people like So like that was my whole always, right? It was always, oh, I got to counsel this girl. I got to pick this girl up off the floor. I got to help this guy get laid. But mm -hmm. I never figured that that wasn't normal. Mm -hmm. And then uh, that thing of strangers spilling their stuff to you right mm. away, even their deepest sexual stuff to you because of just You're a, like, thank a you also, you I can get paid for this. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, how do I turn this into a meaningful work? But I didn't come into it until later. But then once I started developing it, it was like, you know, and, and blended it with, like, energy work, then it's just like, it's just... It's wonderful, wonderful stuff. So what does a session look like? You just brought up energy work, and then I know we're going to get to like some, some specific things. But so uh, someone comes in for a session, let's say in person. Um, so what's this blending of like therapy and energy work? It's an hour. Uh, first of all, I don't do the 50 minutes, um, and, uh, and I'll be collecting my medal at the door. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just not, I don't, I, for me, I don't believe in the therapy 50 minutes. I do an hour, and I usually go over just because I'm, I, if I'm not going to leave somebody unzipped, right? And I don't put my hands on anybody, right? Once you unzip something. Why are they unzipped? Because if you unzip their stuff, you got to zip them back up. <laughs> we don't mean like physically <laughs> yeah, that was, unzipped. Yeah. <laughs> Bad analogy. That's where I was going. No, I was like, so, their dick is out? So the, no. Of course the, you want to put it back. <laughs> very, yeah, put the dick back before they leave my office. No, but good, oftentimes good I, I feel that way at the end of a 15-minute session, and I'll just say, like, I'm sorry sometimes we end and there isn't a neat bow yeah. to tie on it. But that totally. idea of like you just opened yourself yeah. up and now you're like, oh, time's up. Yeah. It's oh, a I tough always one. tell my therapist, I said, I, get, I need a 10 minute warning and a five minute warning. Yeah, that's that's what a lot of people uh, need. But I don't actually put my hands on anybody. No, I don't put my hands on people and I don't, uh, nobody has sex in my office. Nobody takes their clothes off in my office. But we do exercises where I'll have couples uh, do different <laughs> kinds of exercises. Uh, not so much, more like uh, energy uh, differences to figure out how, for example, I did a... I Can did we a, do one? I did Are they a, short exercises? Um, yeah, we could do one. Really? Yeah. Oh boy, you're just oh. dying. Look at you, such a little sub. <laughs> as soon as I walked in because here, I knew... she literally sat with these doe eyes and put her hands in her yeah. lap, and obviously Susanna was like, sub. But do you see what I mean? It's like, it's not psychic, it's not Kreskin. It's just like observing and being on that wavelength the and term feeling is the frequency. Pet. Thank you yeah, very much. Oh. I don't want to... I'm just wanna... a very good girl. I, have, I can see that you're a good girl. <laughs> You're a very good girl. As soon as I walked in here, I thought this girl Simone is going to end up lying at my feet this afternoon. I just know it. <laughs> I, mean, I know people Make pay you. I know people pay you a lot for your thing. But if there is a small one you could guide us in as an example, we would definitely love yeah, to try it. I'll show you. I'll show you something. In okay. fact, uh, what I might have you do. Um, let me just feel into it for a second. Yeah, I'm actually going to have you guys do it with each other. So okay. um, who, uh, 
just uh, face each other for a second, but actually just leave one chair and then get the other chair kind of out of the way. Okay. So and share then, a chair? No. Oh. Uh, one of you is standing for the moment. There okay. you go. So let me ask you a question. Nicoletta is standing. Who, Nicoletta is standing currently. Let the record reflect. Um, so there you go. You're a lawyer. That's for you. Law school, not lawyer. <laughs> okay. You're, you're almost there. Don't worry. I can already see the lawyer, so don't worry. So, uh, by the way, on the, sub on the subject of things I can see, I can see a very strong dominant in you as well. And you're not quite there yet, but when you get there, it's going to be so fucking scary, and I'm here for it. So, <laughs> so, I feel like I'm getting, like... My palm red. You are. You're getting a free free info. So next one will cost you. So who is more dominant out of the two of you in the relationship? Knowing that you're not dating and that that would change if you were. Interesting. Potentially. I think we've explored this in other ways, but there's some like power dynamics that we've talked about yeah. and figuring stuff out. So it might be me. I think definitely in the podcast realm, you are the more dominant, like as, as it relates to our, as the podcast. Absolutely. But maybe energy wise, uh, Simone dominates sometimes the spaces, the, the energy space. Right. That's really interesting. So, so the, the most important part about that is that you have talked about this and it's stated, right? So the majority of relationships don't have this, this kind of distinction at all. So there's a lot of power stuff going on that nobody's talking about, nobody's acknowledging, and so then you can't harness it for uh, hotter sex, better sex, more, more of a different kind, whatever it is that you're looking for, you can't harness it if it's unstated. So let's, uh, for a start, because I just told she her about her dominance. She has this little grin. <laughs> <laughs> Suzanne has this like, little, like... <laughs> I didn't realize I was going to get to choreograph a scene. Okay, so no, this is not that. This is, this is important. So okay. uh, Nicoletta, why don't you lie down? You put your feet down on the floor, my dear Simone. There you go. Good girl. And um, <laughs> she's so excited. I've, the, the teacher's pet thing is, is kind of a thing for me with young women, but I, I don't abuse my power for ballet. So um, Nicoletta, why don't you lie down if, you, if you're able, if you don't have any back, anything okay, on going back. on? No, on the side. I just was making sure you don't have any back issues that okay. preclude you like from this? lying down. Yeah, lie down next to her feet. Okay. okay. May I take a picture of you? Oh, my god! I'm just sharing it. It'll be good for the pod. For the gram. Jeez. An exercise. She looks beautiful down there. You do. You okay. look so beautiful. Okay, now stop talking. Here's what you're going to do. <laughs> okay. So she's giggling quietly. That's what's happening and making funny faces. All right. I want you to be serious because here's the thing you have to understand that as much as we say play and part, you know, I'm having a scene and we're having play and all of that. In fact, if you are into this stuff, you understand that it has a massive, massive power to change every aspect of your life, right? So let's take this seriously for a second. <coughs> Simone, just look down at Nicoletta. Just look down at her and try to go, there you go. So this is what I'll do with couples, right? What couples will do to each other. Nicoletta, keep eye contact. So avoidant. Look, there you go, beautiful. That's beautiful. And so now, okay, see, someone's starting to have an a, a emotion come up. Tell me what the feeling is. I just really love Nicoletta so much. Aww. And I'm just feeling really grateful for our friendship. Aww. She loves you too. Look, her eyes are sparkling. <laughs> so let's say if you moved in a little bit closer to her foot and even you could tell her if you want her to touch. Do you want her to touch your foot? I do want you to touch my foot. Okay, good. Okay, I'm touching your foot. 
Okay. So, do you see that? Are you still looking up at each other, at her? Yeah. So you want to keep eye contact, and you see her start to go into that peaceful place. I know that, you know, I think the three people in this room have both uh, elements to us in terms of uh, being switchy. Yes. Amen. Yes. So, so I can see that. But see, you go right to that peaceful place because you probably were just there, you know, within the last 24 hours. So you know how to go there, right? But for a couple who is uh, maybe stuck, hasn't had sex in uh, a year or more or even less, just has a very sporadic, unsatisfying sex life, you start to uncover what it's like to just be seen and watch what happens in the spaces rather than to be so into the acts and let's drive towards this act of P and V intercourse and make that the whole thing. Mm. So the only thing I'd say to you, if we want to bring out that dominant in you, Simone, today, is to just sit up a little bit straighter and uh, embody yourself a little bit more. I would give you a full exercise to you, but we're not going to do that now. And rather than saying, do you, yes, I want her to touch my feet, just say, uh, g give her a command of something to do and do it with the seriousness. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Isn't that great? It's scary to yes. tell someone what to do. Yes, and uncomfortable. Why for you? Because I don't want it to be something she doesn't want. Right. So do you trust that you have enough uh, relationship history with Nicoletta as well as your own intuitive sense to know immediately by her energy if something you've asked her to do is something she's really truly opposed to? Oh, 100%. Right. So trust that. <laughs> right? Oh, I just don't even and know. And also maybe trusting that if she asked me to do something that I could say no. Right. Well, yes. And that's a longer conversation, right, about like power exchange and mm -hmm. how far you're going to go with all of that. But let's say in this moment she's given you blanket consent because you're not going to like tell her to go like stick that what is that is that a penis no what is that <laughs> uh, Susanna is looking at this um, art piece that I got from Bhutan put your hand back on my foot and it is it is a flaming a flaming penis that was very yes uh, that thing has been staring at me since I got here but did you see that just in the interim what Simone just said she and said how put she your said hand it. back on my foot and do you see how she said it and the sternness she said it with yeah I did not Look at hesitate her. Look at her face. You see that? We've unlocked the monster. Scene. <laughs> Scene. Remember that? Well, one time we were with... You can get up now. I think you can get up now because... Um, <laughs> and then, whoa, that was, it was stern. Well, <laughs> um, no, one time we actually... Uh, we were with uh, some friends in Vegas, and I'm like... Um, like the, the self-hating uh, feminist in me, I guess, joke. Uh, but there's like this little misogynistic part of me that really loves Philip Roth. And um, I like Philip Roth. He's a terrific writer. I fucking love Philip Roth, but he hates women. Um, hated. My saddest thing about him dying is that I will never fuck him. Uh, <laughs> oh, so you were, you were hot for Philip Roth. Oh, I was hot. I am hot for Philip Roth. Yeah, I get it. Um, but so uh, he's, he's very prolific. He's written like 35 books. Um, and so we were with like this guy who was like, yeah, I've read a Philip Roth book. And, and, and I was like, okay. And then I started listing Philip Roth books. Or no, he said, I like Philip Roth. And I started listing Philip Roth books. Right. And every time he hadn't read it, I spanked him with a book. Oh, I love it. That's <laughs> and fantastic. I was, like, was it the dying animal? And he was like, no. American pastoral? <laughs> False. <laughs> <By> Columbus? <laughs> 
there's like seven stories in there. <laughs> Amazing. Sorry, I have let my dog. That that was hard to do. I had. I'm sorry. I, I have to just say one thing. Every time you see on Tinder or guys, I like sapiosexuals. Oh. It's like I, I I doubt that that's what they have in mind. <laughs> Like really? that's what sapiosexual definition should be. Really I'm going to quiz you about Philip Roth, and you're going to get smacked with a book. Likes to read it and get hit about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was hard. I, I had trouble making eye contact. Yeah, I saw that. Long long term eye contact makes me uneasy. Yeah. I, I'm not on the spectrum, but I do think there's something in the like energy of it that I'm like, oh, this is a lot of. I'm like, I hold so much yes. of mm-hmm. the energy that I'm being given that it's like. Oh, it can be overwhelming. Yeah, I can see that. Mm. I can see why that would be. But what's That's so- why I just broke eye contact with you. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> that's okay. Sorry for the interruption, listeners, but we want to take a moment to offer you a discount for pleasure resources. OMGYes.com is a website about sexual pleasure for people with vulvas. We talk so much on this podcast about the importance of self-exploration, the orgasm gap, and myths around pleasure and desire. The platform OMGS decided to do the first ever large-scale scientific research interviewing over 20,000 vulva owners ages 18 to 95 about what actually feels good and why. What they found was, of course, people vary in what they like, but there's also lots of shared techniques. The OMGS site has short videos of all kinds of people with vulvas sharing and showing these styles. I've been recommending this site to clients and partners for years, and we are so honored that they are now sponsoring Sluts and Scholars. I know we talk strongly about not placing penetration on a hierarchy, but season two of OMG Yes just came out, and it's all about penetration and ways to make penetration more pleasurable. Go to omgyes.com slash S&S for a discount. You pay once for permanent access to a set of videos and animations, and your payment goes on to funding ongoing research into sexual pleasure. Enjoy. You know, it can all be worked on. It can all be shifted. Mm. And what's wonderful about you and this work that you're doing, having this podcast and having this, you know, platform is that you can help people shift that stuff. And, and if you say, if you know, like, for example, you think of yourself as a person who wants intimacy and loves intimacy. I think so. Right. And yet, you know, that you have this little bugaboo in the middle, little interrupt that says, I'm going to get, oh, and then, oh, there's my little uncomfortable zone. So the more that you get to see it and observe it, Mm -hmm. it's going to shift, you know, over time. So, but when we're very, you know, I don't want to start about like empaths and everything. I'm sure 90% of people yeah, listening are... Yeah, we're going to have to bring you back for another one. I can already tell. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That'll be fun. Um, it's fun to as long get, as we get away to play again. <laughs> from my children. <laughs> yeah, I am yeah. curious that exercise, like what kinds of folks would you use that with? Or any couple to sort of see the dynamic? Uh, I don't, I wouldn't say I've used it with every couple that I've worked with, but I see such a wide variety of people in terms of... Uh, people in their 20s, people in their 40s, people in their 60s, people in their 50s, uh, you know, people in their 30s. I mean, really, I'm thinking, and so there's all, you know, they're married, they're uh, non-binary, they're Mm -hmm. uh, uh, not straight, or whatever it is. They're kinky, not kinky. So it really depends on where, you see, when I first meet somebody and I have a consult and I see them and I read them and I feel them, I normally can have a sense of where I think it could go and where the kind of solution is in what area. It's sort of like being a director on a film set where 
I, I may not know every single, you know, I can't tell you all the parts to a urethra, for example, but I know if I, I can feel where to direct, where the energy has to go, right? So in that way, I might give like a, a, an outline of all what the sessions are going to be, but I'm not going to tell you what order they're in because I don't know. It depends on, you know, where I you know, where each person goes. And if I see, I will normally see people separately, then together, then separately, then together in like different combinations, mm -hmm. which is very hard for therapists, by the way, because if a, a, a client tells you a secret and you're doing couples therapy, you're not allowed to have that, I've been told. It's, it's a little different. I mean, there are different schools of thought um, between like sort of the old school couples therapist versus sex therapist. Right. So old school, like attachment couples therapy would yeah. say you never separate couples. You always are together. Um, a lot of sex therapists say that you always have to separate them at the beginning. Usually you meet together once first, and then you separate them to do your individual um, sex and relationship history. Yeah. I've played with, with doing both, depending on the couple and what I felt like could be beneficial. Intuitively. Um, intuitively. intuitively. Yeah. Uh, but the difference for the sex therapy is that a lot of folks don't feel comfortable to talk about sex in front of their partner. Which is the whole thing they're coming to see you for. Exactly. And yeah. So you may not have any idea what the actual problem is if you don't if you don't mm. separate them. Exactly. And so you then you have to just establish like a secrets policy. So you say like, you know, I'm not your I say something like I'm not your secret spiller nor am I like your secret keeper. So it's not really my place to say like now you're ready to share your secret and at the same time the whole point of you coming here is for us to figure out a way that you can disclose this in a way that would be productive for you that's Me, really good. like helping them figure out how to do it but a lot of uh, other couple therapists would say like no secrets policy right see what i do again and this is an intuitively the way that i figured out how to work i don't even really understand who my first client was i know who my first couple of clients were but it was just like i just started doing this right and my sense was that i say to people i'm a vault i'm the vault whatever you say to me goes in the vault but you because, also have flexibility because you're not right. a licensed therapist. Right, right. And so... Yeah, there they are, have a waiver that yeah, says that legal, too. So there I are have, legal ethical yeah. things that I I'm have to legally. By, that I don't have to agree with. Right, I mean, right. sorry, that I don't always agree with. Right. But so you have like, to adhere yeah, to I'm like, I know I have to do this, but sometimes I'm like, is this really helpful? So when you say vault, you mean like secret vault? Like you will, like, what do you mean by vault? I mean that if I'm coaching two people and one of them tells me that they fucked a waitress seven years ago, that I'm not going to encourage them to spill that to their spouse. Mm. I'm not going to say, I think it's really great if you could be honest. It's like, no, you keep that. <laughs> and that's your, you know, that's your karma. Yeah. And then we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. And let's look at the need you had when you fucked the waitress. And is that a valid need? And how do we get that met today in your yeah. life without throwing a bowling ball at your marriage? And that's what I would do for an individual. Right, for exactly. For an individual client. Yes, which is why time. a lot of people don't even want to see couples. One thing that um, I see in most of the couples, and I, it seems like you work with folks on this, because um, I saw it on your website. Yes. Um, but the thing I, I see the most, at least right now, is what a lot of folks would call mismatched sex drives. Mm. And so I think there's so many schools of thought on this. Some people might call it like a, a disparity in libido, a difference in libido. Other practitioners, um, might just say like, oh, well, there's a spontaneous arousal for people with who are testosterone driven versus right. estrogen driven people have a responsive arousal. Yeah. So we've talked about all these things. Other people say, Thanks, Emily Nagoski. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Or like, yeah. um, 
we had Wednesday Martin we had talking about that. And um, I guess my question is, how do you deal? How do you deal with folks that come in and claim to have this mismatched desire? Disparity? Support. How do you support? Yeah. Yeah. Deal? I don't know. I'm I'll tell you, is. this is how um, this is how I think of it. Uh, I think of it as a Venn diagram. So you have one person's needs and the other person's needs. And when they come in, there might be a little sliver in the middle where the diagram overlaps, where they could actually undertake some kind of, you know, sexual activity safely that wouldn't, you know, be in the way of whatever it is that they're dealing with. And then the idea is that you push the Venn diagram, you push those two circles together, and you get more and more area that's the sweet spot area. And if you think of the, this diagram's in my next book, but if you think about the middle part, that's the sweet spot. But the part around that, in, still inside the middle of the Venn diagram, is the workarounds. So a lot of people, the reason why their sex lives are not satisfying is because there's too many workarounds. There's been too many assumptions made because one person said, you know, six years ago, oh, I don't like feet. And then the other partner goes, oh, okay, I guess she doesn't like feet, you know, as opposed to going, okay, well, let's talk about what is it that about? What is it that you don't like about feet, right? Or polyamory or is a great example of that. Or maybe over time. Yeah. Yes, like, yes, or like hopefully. We can work through it together. My best friend used to hate feet, and then she touched my feet after three years of work. That's very good. Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to get my partner to be aroused by my feet, but nothing. <laughs> Uh, but it's okay because I'm aroused by my own feet. But I guess that's the question feet. too: is what if there are things that that don't overlap? Yeah. So what if someone just naturally wants to have sex more than the other partner? Is that is it workable I, if they're I, monogamous? Honestly, I th well, if you're monogamous, why'd you add that at the yeah. end? That <laughs> because the that is the parameter the <laughs> that most people do not question and do not see a different option. Well, the people I see mostly are um, have been open to that. I'm going to say, I'm trying to think of a percentage here of the people that are open to some form of ethical non-monogamy. And obviously that's one of the first things that you would suggest when you really see that there's no overlap. But usually, you know, here's what I believe about poly and everything to do with like, uh, you know, any ethical non-monogamous relationship is that if you're not getting your primary energetic needs by your partner met, right? Whatever you try to get from outside, you're just going to take energy out of the relationship and it's probably not going to make it. Because there's like this thing in poly, and I'm not anti-poly, obviously, but there's this thing about like, oh, here's, oh, I don't have this flavor of person. Let me have one of those. Oh, peanut M&M. And it's like people are not, you know, flavors we're not indispensable we're not indis we are indispensable you know we're not dispensable so there's this idea that well you know we'll just start fucking other people and it's like no 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 it's it's definitely not that simple because the relationship where the venn diagram doesn't come together at all is a relationship with no center and if a relationship has no center then when you start turning out all you're going to do is dissipate anything good that's already in there, which might be a family, which might be children, which right. might be good financial reasons to stay together. So there are ways to work on the intimacy enough and the openness and the communication enough and, and the unraveling people about their own sexual shame and hang-ups, where then, okay, now we can responsibly know with good guidelines whether we can 
turn somewhere else to get our needs met. But I mean, I've, obviously there's so many more nuances to consider and the complexities of each couple, but let's say, I mean, Simone and I sort of are a couple but that are non-sexual, but like, mm -hmm. let's say Simone and I come in and we were a romantic sexual couple and I say like, I want to be having sex, um, you know, every day. Yeah. Um, and, oh, Simone, and Simone is like, you know, once a week at most is good for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes not even that. Yeah. That's a, that's, what do you do with that? That's not an ideal situation. I mean, I've had people who, who came to me uh, with very similar things. And the first thing that I would say is that wanting to have sex every day with a long-term partner is not a reasonable expectation. Huh. I mean, it's just not, okay? So I'm not here to shame anybody. God knows for being too horny because pff, have at it. But if you think that your partner has to fuck you every day just because you want to get fucked or whatever it is every day, then, you know, then you're, you're in some kind of other territory. Mm -hmm. So then I would work with the partner who doesn't, who feels like, eh, once if, eh, eh to say, well, is your partner really, first of all, you rule out physical causes, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously hormones or, uh, you know, pain. some STI that's shutting things down that you don't even know about, or yes, pain that's caused by an STI you don't know about. These are examples of, of things that can be discovered. And once you rule out physical causes, you're, the idea is, okay, I'm going to get underneath that person, not literally, thank you, zip and zip them up. Um, no unzipping will happen, but I will unzip their uh, their their psyche and their sensual ideas of what turns them on. Because if you really have a look, their partner usually has no fucking idea what it is that actually would get that person to want sex more than mm -hmm. once a week or meh, meh, meh. It's like if it's meh, well, you know, so these are the first avenues, let's say. But I think you definitely get to a point where you or as go. Pe Peggy Kleinplatz talks about optimum sexuality and like that people don't want to have it if they're not having the sex that they don't want to be having. Yeah, that's right. It's so like total... if you're not enjoying it, if you're not doing the things that turn you on, no wonder you don't want to have it. That's right. And it's, and it's very much, uh, it becomes a catch-22 as well, because with regular therapists, they'll be like, okay, let's talk about um, who does the dishes for fucking three years, and then we'll get around to the sex part. It's like, mm -hmm. no, no, no. We talk about the sex part. You fuck right. me good. I'll do the dishes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Girl, if you do the dishes, I'll fuck you good. That's right. What if the desires don't line up? Like, what if the thing that turns on your partner doesn't really turn you on? Um, I, I always find it interesting that like couples often do things for each other that they know the other person likes when it doesn't come to sex. That's exactly right. So it's like, oh, I love when you make the bed. I love when you pick up your socks. Ugh. But when it comes to like sucking a dick, suddenly yeah. they balk. Can you believe that these bitches? I feel like I'm like I'm so down to help you see what you want, but if you want to take me to see a fucking Marvel movie, I will die. Yeah. <laughs> but how do you do? Like you're very fuck motivated. You know, I wrote a book. I wrote a book. The, the last book I wrote, How to Get Laid Using Your Intuition, is very much for like your age group and the way that I talk to certain people who mm -hmm. are not conservative, who are not going to get put off by that language and everything. And then the next one's going to be a little bit more like you know, you could put it on a coffee table in Middle America, and Aunt Merrill wouldn't have a heart attack. But uh, but I if call folks it being aren't, if folks aren't considering a non-monogamous setup, what is the point yeah. where you would say like, hey, maybe if this is something you really need and you can't get it from this relationship, yeah. maybe you should find another relationship versus like, I don't want to go to that restaurant with you. Go with yeah, your best Or friend. how do you help people overlap their thumbprints to where it's workable? I think that you have to 
be realistic and mindful of the kind of life that people have created together. You mm-hmm. know, I don't give a f- if people don't have kids, I don't give a fuck. Go. I don't care if you've been with them 20 years. I don't have as much of a stake in keep, keeping people together that don't have kids. And this is not like an anti-people who don't have kids statement. Please don't twist it into something that is uh, politically, uh, you know, reprehensible. But, uh, you know, even if someone, if, if a couple, I'm usually pro the couple. Like, mm-hmm. that's how I think. Like, I'm going to fight for the, the best version of you guys. At the same time, there is a point where you have to cash in your chips. And I've had, it's interesting, I have had a small but, but uh, you know, very uh, marked amount of people that have come to me at the absolute last straw, like you are the last resort, and uh, 20 years, I'm talking about 20 years no sex, 18 years no sex, 14 years no sex, and have seen me one time and decided to break up. So Sometimes whatever, people come to therapy to break up. I mean, Right. But whatever it is, you know, your job is to bring up the stuff. And sometimes it's the stuff that says, guess what? That little voice that you've been ignoring is now like sitting there in front of you in the flesh. And you, know, you already know. And sometimes back to you fighting for the best version of a couple, sometimes the best version of the couple is not not the couple. 100%. Like a couple is comprised of two individuals. And I think like with the Venn diagram, like there's all this other stuff that comes into play, like having children together. But if you don't have these things, then maybe the best person you will be if you don't have to be a parent to a child is you not feeling like you're in this relationship that isn't serving you but there's just a lot of different things to consider right because you have financial implications Mm -hmm. you have uh implications about okay then it becomes gendered i don't normally talk about gender if you notice the way that i see it i'm very it's very rarely about the woman the man it's much more about who's dominant who's submissive and how do we kind of make that flow better but you know you have an issue if somebody's been uh just a let's say a homemaker and then suddenly what they're going to be out on the you know Mm -hmm. it's like it's not that oh it's not that easy to just say to somebody oh well you know off you off you go off you trot i mean i left a marriage i know what it takes to do that and Mm -hmm. it's it's so it's not something that i i see lightly Mm -hmm. is to just be like well you know pack it in um, but yes, if you're just uh, clinging on to somebody because you don't want to be alone, that's fine as long as you know that you're clinging on to somebody because you don't mm-hmm. want to be alone. Or because and, all of the other things work well. Right. Or, and or, because right. the other things work well. Yeah, yes. I'm thinking of like folks who are like, oh, well, maybe we're not the most sexually compatible, but everything else is fine. Totally. Well, even Dan Savage has said in his book that he, he was fine with certain people cheating. Mm. Like cheat, like non-ethical, non-monogamy. I don't um, encourage, I don't have clients that I encourage to cheat, but at the same time, you know, I think the example that he gives in the book is something to do with a, uh, some, one of the people in the couple is physically impaired, can't have sex and has no drive. And the other person is, you know, climbing the walls, wants to have sex. And it's like, in that situation, it may be appropriate to just go out and get your needs met without making it a big bloodletting, hmm. you know, thing for this person who uh, is either, you know, maybe on the way out or has, their health is never going to improve. So rather than making it, oh, now we're going to have the big honesty sesh. It's like, well, you know, hmm. it's not, things are not, it's not black and white. I mean, cheating is 
uh, you know, black and white is a terrible thing to do to somebody, right? But it's also something that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So even when, if we, you know, in, if we sit down and we, we encourage people to be ethically non-monogamous, we can't guarantee that some of those people who are meeting in hotel Best Westerns, you know, over on the five at two in the afternoon are not getting off on that exact scenario and the mm. fact that it's forbidden and the fact that it's that they're cheating and the fact that they might be caught so oh. then if you know that then you can start to get honest and be like well why can't you take your wife to that hotel at two o'clock you know what i mean like not not again not that it's that simple and people can just slot into other things because his wife might be like i'm going go on to the fucking best western at 2 p.m but but it's like but whatever that is right so you have you want danger or maybe you were wanting you know maybe you're dominating that person in that in that you know hotel room so to just get fucking honest so would you say for folks Basically. that you've seen that have mismatched drives, do they end up being more matched than they think they were once you've maybe like uncovered? I would say, I mean, I have case studies in my next book about pe people I've worked with that were like, uh, you know, really seemed to be very mismatched and ended up being not that mismatched after all. Because if you notice, if you ask people at the start, how many times would you like to have sex a week? And, you know, uh, once you get out of oh, every day, okay, great, every day you know what, sometimes you do get to have sex every day, and that's terrific. And then there are other weeks where that just would not be... Um, I don't have an answer to that question. Viable. What's do that you question? Have an, like, how often, you want, how often do you want how to have sex? How often would you want to have sex, Simone? Every, whenever I want, whenever I feel like it. Oh, God. <laughs> You're such a brat. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, I don't think about... I'm not like, I want to do it every single day. Like, maybe there are three weeks where I don't want to fuck. Right, yeah. And like, that's, it's not but, like, I want whatever I want. No, 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 it's no, no like, you're right. But in terms of, like, setting I was joking. No, no, no you weren't. I, I mean, you picked up on something. Like, I, I picked up on something, but what you're saying is absolutely valid. And that's what I mean. Like, I wouldn't know how to answer that question, because for me, how much sex I want to do is not at all linked to this idea of what I have, of what my sex life should be. It's just... Yeah, and for me, it's more... It is intuitive, yeah, that's right. for me, it's more the quality over the quantity right like a good connected sex i feel like well i'll feel more like a camel yeah for the next few weeks where i'm like i can hold on to this energy oh my god but i love it you have more energy in your humps yeah, i totally yeah. get it but if it's not fulfilling then i'm i think i'm still reaching for something yes. i wanted more i think that's really good and interesting and good to know about yourself also but the majority of like here's the thing if you're if you were in a marriage mm -hmm. and you were like sometimes i don't want to have sex for three weeks it might be a problem right because at that point you know like you'd have to think about okay well what is my partner doing can i find ways maybe what you mean is i don't necessarily want to be penetrated right. exactly so then there's other there's but so much stuff <laughs> yes there's so much stuff i could do you know get get in the car could and do I'll, the dishes oh that's hot that's when my kids were babies it was like the hottest thing for me is just to come home and the babysitter would have done the dishes and i'd be like oh, oh that's it that's all i needed thank you um but yeah but that changed that changed but so people in your experience like do have an idea of how many times they want to fuck a week yeah and a lot of people it's bizarro that you you know they'll come with to me 
One guy came, uh, one wonderful, wonderful husband of this wonderful couple that I'm still working with. He, it took him a year to get his wife to come and see me. He saw the Reddit AMA and it took him a year. He was like, I know you're the person. And finally we started working together and come to find out they have a very similar idea of how many times a week. But again, it's like we had to strip it back to, you know, qualifying that with, like you said, the duration, what, what you know, because her complaint was that there weren't enough quickies. Mm. She was like, if one of them was a quickie, I'd be much more down with that. She wasn't down to like, let's, let's do like, you know, 40, yeah. you know, 25 minutes of pound town when I have like 25,000 things to do for or work. Or just like, I want to go to sleep. Right. Yeah. Whatever it is. But at the same, you know, but also, you know, blowjobs. Wait, what? Like, come on. I mean, like, you know, at the, and when I first, uh, you know, people get very rigid around these things. Well, I think when I, when I usually have asked people, like, is there an expectation you have of sex during the week? I do ask them, like, well, how do you define sex? Exactly. Because a lot of people are thinking, you know, penetration. Oh. And so it may just be like that they haven't expanded the definition of what sex can be and created like a, a menu of other options. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it's a big menu. And you could write that well, yeah, menu. For this, I, this little group, you could I write the menu. I feel like I've had a lot of sex recently, but I've not had a dick inside me since like April. But you feel fulfilled? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, maybe. Sometimes. Depends on the day. Depends on the day. <laughs> I just love the, the energy with which you said that. I haven't had a dick in me since April. <laughs> it was just like, is, I, is that a, an incitement? Are you trying to lie? I, I do want a dick. <laughs> yeah, really? I have one in my drawer at home. Um, anyway, don't hit on the host. Don't hit on the guest. Don't you know the rule? No, we're, we're, we're good. Yeah. Is that, that wasn't in the waiver. That's in my waiver. That's in my waiver. Because you, you know. You say don't hit on me? No, but I, you know, no, yeah. I don't know if you have that. Because again, I wrote mine and then showed it to a lawyer, by the way. And she said, how did you... This is really good. How'd you do this? I was just like, I just know Intuition. that. I, yeah, everything I do is intuitive. If you, you know, I don't want someone to think that I'm trying to turn them on because that's not where it's at. You well, know? sometimes people just turn folks on even when they're not trying. Yeah. Right. And that's, and, and that's, that's not to- an invitation. No, but it's yeah. also totally fine. Like in the, in the last book, I call mm. it fuck energy. Mm. So this fuck energy, it flies around all the time, all the time, flying around, fuck energy, just because you notice it. Mm-hmm doesn't mean a thing. It really doesn't mean a thing. It's yeah. like noticing bees pollinating uh, flowers or, or, you know, kids playing ball. It just, it's just the fact of life, the fuck energy. Another oh, thing, I love that. Another thing going back to the times a week um, is a lot of people have an expectation that other folks are fucking more than they're fucking. Oh, yeah. And so I often tell my clients, I'm like, look, in a long-term monogamous relationship, how often do you think people are having sex? Mm. And they'll often say higher numbers. They'll say like four times a week. And, and like, it's like, look, no, no, that's look, a really maybe hot like relationship. One, maybe like once. Yeah. <laughs> and so it like shocks some people when they like think that their friends or their colleagues are like having yeah. all the sex. And really it's not happening that but way. But Americans are also having less sex. Do the, do, the, do the research in France. See how much people in France are having sex. Or, or look, at the, look at how, few, how much fewer uh, millennials are having sex. How much they're so much more aware of, okay. Or just different kinds of sex. Right, exactly. But it's like, okay, so we know what a hookup is, right? And we know what that is. And then once you know what that is, you can kind of assess, well, do I want to expend this much energy to get a little dick or, or a pussy or whatever it is? 
or use my womanizer. Maybe just nah. Yeah, put a womanizer. Oh my god, forget it. You'll never. I mean, forget it. Who needs a I dick since April? Since April. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you should have said it was the womanizer. I would have totally understood. That's a, that toy's a game changer. It really is. Yeah. It really is. I just wanted to say, I really love what you said about fuck energy bouncing around everywhere, mm. especially as uh, someone who has really been sexualized my whole life. Yes. And people kind of calling me a tease or calling me a flirt or things like that when it, it isn't something that I, I mean, sometimes I'm aware and it's like jokingly or flirtatiously or whatever. But a lot of times it's just like, this is, I guess, what like shoots out of my nipples. Out of your holes. <laughs> out of my holes. Out of all of my holes. All your holes at once. But like... Yeah, and, and you saying, like, it's not an invitation. It doesn't imply that there is a desire to, like, fuck whoever is, like, seeing the fuck energy. So, so true. And I just really appreciate you saying that. Yeah, because it's like, it's not, it's not, but, but what's difficult for people, I think, and I felt this way myself when I was 38 years old and just a starved little puppy, and was just, when, when I had that awakening, like, it was, it just mowed through the trampage, right? It just, I just mowed through and it was wonderful, it was a great experience, but to get that mastery over that and then to realize, wait a minute, like, that's why I call it fuck energy and not chemistry, because chemistry is something you have to have with somebody. You, you generally, people don't think of yourself as having chemistry with yourself. Because it's an interaction. Right, but that's exactly what I teach people to develop, is to have that relationship with your own sexual energy where you don't need to go and act on every time you get a stirring in your nethers you don't have to act on it it's really about okay what's the need and there are there are different ways to fulfill that need that you could once you learn to do for yourself is a really powerful way in my experience to heal all kinds of issues wow I feel like I've learned so much oh that's nice <laughs> I really appreciate yeah, it we, I like can't believe we've been talking for an hour <laughs> Um, you'll I can. Have to, you'll I knew have exactly. To come back. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate it, and I will. And I knew exactly when the hour was up. FYI, that's because I'm so tuned to the hour. Because you're so now. intuitive. Oh, you, do, uh, you do 50 minutes, you do an hour, and I'm just right. like, what? I do six minutes now. That's what we have to measure our time in. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, lawyers. And so at the internship that I have, you measure your time in six-minute increments. It's so exciting. Like to me, that's how you bill. To sit before the two of you and it's just to think of the change that you're going to affect in the world makes me really excited. So I, I really appreciate uh, being here with you. Thank you. Well, to yeah. think of all the change you've already enacted in the world and, and how you're sharing it with us, we're yeah. really grateful. And we know you're probably sharing it in other places as well. You mentioned you have a Reddit AMA, which is and books. A, a wonderful resource, but you also are on Instagram. Yes. At Sexual Intuitive. At Sexual Intuitive because I'm working on the next book I really haven't um, posted for quite a long time, but uh, there's plenty of content to scroll through and, uh, and also at Susanna Brisk on Twitter, which is, I'm not very active on social media because between clients and the book and the kids and my own relationship, uh, you know, I wouldn't have anything left. So, but yeah. Uh, so what check, is your forthcoming book? The, the forthcoming book, I actually don't want to say what the title okay. is, but it has to do with this thing called sexual intuition that I'm always rabbiting on about. Okay. Yeah. Well, rabbiting bunnies, fucking like bunnies, you know. <laughs> on that note, thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in to another 
honestly fabulous episode in my opinion we had a real moment of connection nicoletta i loved that um so obviously if you want to stay up to date with everything that we're doing you can follow us on instagram at sluts and scholars on twitter at slut scholars and if you like what we do we have been providing you this free labor for two years so if you want to keep us keep doing it please join us on patreon at patreon.com slash sluts and scholars and rate and review us on apple podcasts thank you 